How many of you love to people watch? You're in church. Come on. Be honest. You know, when you're sitting in the tube on the bus, you know, you, you have a book, but you're not really reading the book. You're really just looking at other people until that awful moment where you realize they're doing the same thing and your eyes meet and you're like, oh, no, like, no. Don't get the wrong impression. What, what do you think about when you people watch? Put your hands up if you people watch. Come on, be honest. Okay, what, what do you think about? What, what are you watching people for? What goes through your mind? Remember, you're in church, but you've got to be, you know. Where they're going? Yeah. Sometimes I think, try and figure out where they come from. You know, like what nationality they might be. Or some things like that. Sometimes you look at that, don't you? What else do you think about? Fashion sense. I have no fashion sense, so that doesn't really. I you, but you might. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you think. Whoa, I wonder where they got that. That doesn't look like Primark to me. <laughs> Never seen that in Primark. So you know. Yeah. What else? They're people. Absolutely, we are. Yeah, that is one of the beautiful things about London is that we get to see people from all over the world. I mean, look, look at one another here. We're from everywhere. And it's beautiful because this is, this is almost like the kingdom of God, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like when we get to heaven, there'll be people from everywhere. And I praise the Lord that we won't all look the same and that we're all different and we have different experiences and, and different understandings, different histories, but we all come together as one people. And that's, that's so true. And we're privileged to live in a city where, where the whole world is here. And it's a joy to, to live in this, this uh, beautiful diversity that we can enjoy. And we live in the most diverse borough in the most, one of the most diverse cities in the world. So it's, we're doubly privileged. It's beautiful. Anything else? What sort of jobs they have? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Uh, yeah. That looks like a solicitor. You know, stay clear of them, you know. Oh. You can always tell the ministers, can't you, and the vicars, because, you know, they have crosses that are swinging like this in the tube, things like that. But, yeah, we, we love people watching, don't we? How about for yourself? Do you ever look at yourself in the mirror? I mean, I don't mean like, like I... You know, like this morning, I just went, oh, yeah, look all right. Let's go. I'm late. You know, but I mean, really look at yourself. Do you ever do that? Do you ever kind of every now and again kind of just go, yeah, exactly. In my case, how much less hair you have, you know, not in yours. How, do you ever do that? Oh, my days, like, you're like, oh, really? It's terrible, isn't it? That's when you look at your passport photo from 10 years ago and you think, my days, look at what Trinity's done to me. How I've aged. You know, I had hair. I, I looked like a hippie when I was 20. I had long hair, beard, flares, you know, the whole works. Now look at me. Educated. Sometimes we look at ourselves but you know, also, there's not just about looking at the outside. 
How many and how often do we look at the inside? Now, looking at the outside scary enough, isn't it, as we get older? When you're young, it's not scary at all. Maybe. But when you get older, it gets a bit... But looking at the inside, that's, that's hard. That's tough. You know, when I was in uh, training for, for ministry... The best course was the worst course I ever did. It was a course, the first course called pastoral counseling. Learning how to counsel other people. Because when they did the course, what they did was, was that they, they said, you can't counsel anyone else unless you counsel yourself. Unless you know really, truly who you are. You have no right and no ability to look at anybody else. And it was like them holding up a mirror in front of me. And I saw myself, probably for the very first time with all honesty and openness. And there are bits of yourself when you do that that you like. But there are bits of yourself that you go, I don't like that bit of me. That's, that's just, that's not even Christian. That's not nice. I don't like that. That's the bit I hide away. That's the bit that I stick in that room. You know, we've all got those rooms or those cupboards at home, right? Where we stick all the stuff that we don't want anybody else to see. Yeah, look, I see a few people going like this now. Like, you know what I'm talking about? That cupboard, the man drawer, right? Put it all in there, get to it later. We, we all do that, and we, we have things in our lives that we do that too as well. You know, the book of James that we're looking at, Faith and Works, the book of James is like a mirror, if you allow it to be. We can read the book of James, you can read the book of James and just go, oh, that, that's, that's cool, that's, that's good. Or you can read the book of James, I think, like he intended it to be read. Which is like a mirror that will be held up to you. For you to see yourself as you really are. But when you do that, there will be things inside of you that you love. And you go, that's cool. But you may well see things inside of yourself that you go, that needs work. That, that I need to deal with. And so I would encourage you as we go through James to allow it to be what it really is, a mirror on your life. Last week we spoke, didn't we, about trials and temptations. This week we're going to move on and we're going to look, as James does, about who we are on the inside. I love that picture, don't you? A cat looking into a puddle and looking back is a tiger. It's what you see when you look on the inside that James is trying to get at. Let's read today's passage. Father, as we read your word, Spirit of God, we ask that you would grant us understanding 
Spirit, you wrote these words through your servant. Teach us your word. Reveal it to us in the name of Christ. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 19 to 27. So he's talked about trials and temptations and the difference between the two and how to deal with them when they come. And he says these words. Let's read it together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Amen. The key to this passage, isn't it, to this section in James is verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Do what it says. Obedience to the word of God is critical. The question is, well, how, how do we do that? And James explains it as we go through and sort of try and unpack it a little bit today. First thing he says we need to do is to hear the word in verse 19. Verse 19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be, what did it say? Yep, quick to listen. Quick to listen, it says. Quick to listen really means that we have a kind of, it's, it's like this. Two weeks ago, I think it was, I went around to visit someone. And on the way I thought, you know what would be good, I'll, I'll, I was going past a donut shop, as one does. I mean, it took me 35 miles out of my way, but no, no, I'm joking. I went past the donut shop, and I thought, you know what, let, let, me, let me get some coffees, and I'll take a box of donuts with me, and then we can sit and eat the donuts, right? That's the kind of nice guy I am. Hadn't had breakfast, a bit peckish. So when I went into the donut shop, they had regular donuts, they had executive donuts. That's donuts with extra chocolate and fudge bits and marshmallows all over the top of them. I went, better go exec. I'm posh. So I bought the executive donuts. I went round there. 
gave them the donuts. Thanks very much, they said. They put the donuts on the table. Brilliant cup of coffee. And we started chatting. And then they were chatting and chatting. And the donuts with pictures of donuts on the box stayed closed. And I'm sitting there going like, this is not what I had in mind. I bought these donuts for a reason. It's Christian to share. So I, I kind of thought, well, this is not going quite the way it's supposed to be going. So I dropped a few hints. I bought donuts. I said, slip it in the conversation. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the donuts. Nothing. They just stayed there in the box. A bit later, I was like, yeah, donuts go well with coffee. Donuts, you know. Nothing. I'm starving for it. My juices. All I can do, I, I'm not even listening to conversation anymore. I'm just looking at the donuts on the outside of the box thinking, these are exec donuts with the bits on top. My days. Come on. You know, by the time they finally got the hint and opened the box of donuts, I almost just stuck my head in that box and just went like this. I was gasping for a donut or two. You don't bite half a dozen for no reason. That is how we should be when we come to God's Word. Imagine God's Word is like a box of donuts. And you're, you're dying for one, right? Your favorite. Sprinkles? They go everywhere, but it's worth it, isn't it? It's saying... You sh we should come with an eager anticipation every time we open the pages of God's Word. We should come as though we're like so hungry for it that we're going, oh, this is great. Worship's brilliant, but get into the Word. Yeah, now we're in the, you know? Worship's like the coffee. This is the donut. Shouldn't really say that, but you know what I'm trying to say. That we should come every time that we open the word with such a hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because when we open the word, that is the point that we get to engage with the Spirit of God and with the Father and the Son. Remember when we did our series from 1 Samuel? That's the moment when we open the word where it's Samuel, Samuel, and you say, here I am. Here I am. I'm listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's the moment. And we should come with that eager anticipation, that expectation that God is going to speak to you and to me every time we open his word. You know, some of you bring, bring notebooks. It's a good idea on a Sunday. Because what happens if God speaks to you today while we're reading his word? What are you going to do? If you're like me, you'll have forgotten about it by tomorrow. But if we have a little notebook and we kind of go, oh yeah, let me just note that down. Then I've got it next to me. Some people take their notebooks and they leave it beside their beds at night because God always speaks in the middle of the night and wakes you up, doesn't he? And you think of something. By morning, you're going, oh, man what was it 
write it down. Come with that expectation that God is going to speak. Be quick, expectant in listening. What else? Slow to speak. Why? Because you know that God gave us one mouth and two ears, which means we should listen twice as much as we should speak. That's not good for pastors, by the way. Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 19. Kind of sums it all up. Let me read it to you. Proverbs says, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. You know, we don't learn when we're talking. We learn when we're listening. We don't learn when we're speaking. So when we come to God and we share our prayer requests that God asks us to share, but we're not learning from God when we're doing that. We're just giving to God what we already know, what's on our hearts. We learn when we listen to God's voice, when we listen to his instruction, when we listen to what he wants to do in our lives. He says you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And what's the last one? Anger. Slow to become angry. What he means by this is anger is, is not just about getting angry. It's about being harboring resentful feelings. That's literally what it means. But it means really about having preconceived opinions about everything. When we come to the Word of God, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to align our lives to the Word, or are we aligning the Word to my life? It goes down to the flesh and the Spirit again. When we come to the Word, so many people, what they do is they stand there and they judge the Word. They go, yeah, I like that bit. I'll align my life to that, because that bit, yeah, I've got that sorted. That's good. I don't like that bit, so I'm going to kind of throw it out. Don't want that bit in my life. I don't, I don't like what it's saying there. That, that's, that's difficult. That's hard. I'm not going to do that, so I'm going to forget that. And we pick and we choose what we want out of the Word of God. We so often do that. So many times... In ministry, people have come to me and said, well, I don't believe in this, and or I don't believe in that bit. I like that bit, I believe in that bit, but I don't believe in that bit. And I'm sitting there going like, that, that, that's not even logical. It doesn't even make sense. Like, you, you just make God in an image you want God to be in then. I mean, just hold your hand up and say, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Because this is the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And God says, you know what? If you want to go the way of the Spirit, you need to align your life to the Word. Align your life in this direction. And the Word will take you in this direction. If you start picking and choosing the bits that you want, you're not going to go anywhere. Because you're not aligning yourself to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is not going to work in your life because He's going, you're sitting in judgment on the Word. 
Now, that doesn't mean to say we don't come with our minds and we seek to understand it and unpack it and, and really understand what the Word is saying. God asks us to use our intellect and our intelligence and our understanding to really get into the Word and see what the Word is saying. But when we know what it's saying, He's saying, align your life to it. You have a choice to make. Are you going to align to the word or let the word align to you? Which is just a fallacy. Verse 20, he says, this is what happens. He says, for man's anger does not bring about righteous life that God desires. If you come with opinions, he says, you're not going to walk in the way of the spirit. You're going to walk in the way of the flesh. You see, God doesn't play games with us. We try and play games with God, but he doesn't play games with you and me. He says, either you walk in the way of the Spirit, or the natural current will just draw you this way, to the flesh. You can come to church as much as you want, but he said, I've given you this book, my word, so that you can align yourself into the way of the Spirit and allow the Spirit to work in and through you. The first thing he says we have to do is we have to hear the word. Listen to the word. Align yourselves to the word. Because the second thing he says, verse 21, is what? Receive the word. Look at what he says. He says, therefore get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in in you which can save you what's he saying get rid of what flesh moral filth all the stuff that pulls you that's dragging you this way get rid of it why because it's dragging you like a like a bungee rope over in this direction so get rid of it he says get rid of all of that that's so prevalent in our lives because it's all around us and if you accept the word that God wants to plant within you, it will lead you in this direction. It will save you, he says. I love the, the passage from Acts chapter 17. Acts 17 talks about Paul's missionary journey. And he goes to the Bereans in Acts 17. And it says, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas on their way to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Why? It says, because they received the message with great eagerness. Right? That's what we were talking about. And they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They looked at the scriptures and they said, is what this guy is preaching, is what this guy is saying to us really true? And then it says many believed. Why? Because they believed on an understanding, a knowledge. They believed because they had examined what Paul had said from the word of God and said, you know what? I want to align my life to this. You see, the key, the key to this, the key to going deeper with God is that God leads us step by step. 
And we have to keep learning the lessons. He won't teach us a new lesson until we've learned the lesson we're supposed to learn. Going deeper means we respond to what God has already revealed to us. Consider it pure joy, my friends, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because those trials are a stepping stone in the right direction. You have to learn the lesson before you can learn the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. God has it all planned out. When I was really young, in my 20s, I went to university, studied civil engineering. It's been really helpful. I won't go into why. But I'll never forget the first lecture not the first lecture in the course, but the first time I, I took this subject, engineering calculus. I had no idea what this guy was going on about. Do you know why? Because I was supposed to have done A-level maths. I had done A-level maths. I passed A-level maths. But I didn't really understand calculus. Because to understand calculus, you have to understand geometry, algebra, and whatever else. And algebra was a little bit confusing to me. And so when this guy stood up and made an assumption that we all understood calculus as well as he did, and he started going off about engineering calculus, which is another step beyond normal A-level calculus, I was completely lost. And I just went... I have no idea what this guy's... He may as well have been talking in Swahili. I had no idea what this guy was talking about. And I realized the problem was not him, the problem was me. The problem was that when I should have learned algebra, I didn't. And because I didn't learn algebra, when our teacher at A-level then taught us calculus on the assumption that we knew algebra well enough to learn calculus, Calculus was a bit of a blur. And so I just carried on down this road of learning without learning the basic level that I needed to learn. And when I got to university and I started engineering calculus, my lack of a foundation of simple algebra was found out. And I had no idea what this guy was on about. And I had to quickly go back and try and teach myself fundamental algebra and then relearn two years of doing calculus at A-level maths before I could then go into the class. And guess what? Didn't go too well because I was always on catch-up. And as it is with engineering calculus, so it is with God. God will never move you on until you learn the lesson he's teaching you right now. You look in the Bible, he does that all the time. He takes you back. He says, relearn that lesson. Unless you learn that lesson, I'm not going to take you on to the next lesson because you won't have the foundation that you need on which the next lesson fits. So I just have to stay here, and God is very patient because God is infinite and can outlast us. Right? And he just keeps, come on, David, learn this lesson, will you? You've been here long enough. Come on. I've got so many things I want to show you, but I can't show you until you've learned this one. And then I'll take you on and take you on. 
He says you have to receive the word. Receive what I'm trying to teach you so that I can then take you on to more and more and more and more. You know why we won't say anything when we stand before God? I think there's probably a whole load of reasons. One is because the immensity of who God is. Every time in the Bible people see God, they just close their mouths, don't they? Because you just think, oh my ways, I'm toast. But I think the other reason we won't say anything to God is because we'll see the plan that God had for you and for me and we'll realize how little we actually learned and so he couldn't take us on because we refused to learn the lessons that he wanted to teach us and we'll stand there I think I will stand before God and God will show me everything that could have been that wasn't because of my stubbornness to learn. And I would just close my mouth and go, I'm so sorry. Think of all the blessing that could have been brought through me into others, but I refuse to learn. Think of everything that God could have poured out into my life, but I refuse to move. Because of my stubbornness, of moving on because I didn't receive what he wanted to give me. And so I got stuck on the journey. I think he'll also show us everything that he accomplished through us more than we will ever realize. And so we won't stand there with guilt. I mean, maybe a little bit. I don't know. But also he'll show us all the blessing that he wrought that we never even realized happen through us because the Holy Spirit's very sneaky. Hear the word, receive the word. But then this passage is all about the last one, isn't it? Do the word. Don't just hear it. Don't just receive it, understand it, take it on board, but put it into action. Do what it says, he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What does it say? Do what it says. Do what it says. And in all honesty, we don't do that, do we? How many times have you read the Bible and gone, oh, wow, and then just forgotten about it by Wednesday? How many times have you heard a message on a Sunday or have I heard a message on a Sunday? And I've gone, whoa, that was great today. And then you go away and nothing changes. Because we don't do what it says. This is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? This is the hardest bit. Because it means I have to change something in my life to align myself to the way of the Spirit. And that's not easy. Because if you're like me, you're kind of like, actually... I'm okay where I am. And I don't want to do all this self-examination and looking in the mirror and seeing on the inside and, and changing too much to go in the way of the Spirit, do I? That's, that's uncomfortable. That's difficult. That's not easy. But the Word says that's what we need to do. Jesus said it, didn't he? In the Sermon on the Mount, 
Do you remember? You'll know this passage. Let me read it to you. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, does this ring a bell? Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, must be in England, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his hand house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Do what it says. You see, James tries to hammer the point home with this illustration. In verse 23 and 24, he says it's like us looking in a mirror. And after you look at yourself, you just go away and you forget what it looks like. That's what happens sometimes when we read the word and we look. And then God convicts us and we know the spirit has spoken to us, but we do nothing about it. And then life just comes and we forget. But he says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law, this is what Pete did the other week, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Why? Because the more we do that, the more we align ourselves in this direction. The more we go the way of the Spirit, the more we do and receive from God. Do the word. You know, mirrors are brutal, aren't they? Because they tell the truth. When I look in a mirror, I, I wish they would invent a mirror that told you a lie, don't you? When I look in there, I look like Brad Pitt, you know? That would be cool, wouldn't it? And you go, man, you're looking good today. And then you walk outside, because we can't see anyway on the, you know. But mirrors don't lie, do they? You know, got less hair, more wrinkles. Look like I've aged 10 years in the last five minutes. They don't lie to us. You look there and you think, you know what, putting on weight, too many donuts. All these things. Mirrors don't lie. And you know what, the word of God doesn't lie either. The Word of God is a spiritual mirror for you and me. As we read it, the Word will never lie. It will just reveal the truth. And sometimes that's brutal. Sometimes that's hard. Because if you're like me, sometimes I don't like what it reveals. You know, I, I love going to all the comfort passages, don't you? He's got you in the palm of his hand, he's written you on his foot, you know. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. Psalm 139, apart from that nasty bit near the end, he's going to do away with the enemies. Forget that bit, we'll skip that bit, you know. 
John, John 14, in my father's house are many rooms. I, we love all of that, peace I leave with you, all this stuff. But then in the midst of all of that, Jesus gave some hard-hitting things. Why? Because it's a mirror. And the mirror does two things. One, it shows you reality. And reality is what? It's both, isn't it? It's both the beauty and the challenge. I hope if you look in the mirror, I want you to go home today, have a really good look at yourself in the mirror, right? Don't break it, but just look at it, right? And I hope when you look at it, you'll see two things. You'll see the beauty of who God created you to be. Look at yourself. Because I look at you every week, and I know you're beautiful. Because that's what you see when I look at you guys. And that's what God sees when he looks at you. He sees the beauty he created in you. You need to look at yourself, think about yourself, and say, thank you, God, for the beauty that is me. I love that little boy. I've told you this before. Over his bedroom door every morning before he left for school, he wrote these words, I'm me and I'm good because God don't make junk. You want that over your mirror. I'm me and I'm good because God don't make junk. You're beautiful, wonderfully made. The word says so. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is a promise. That is a truth. That is the mirror of God's word. Believe it. Know it. It's you. But also look at yourself and go, you know what? God, what's the next step for me in this journey? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to learn? You see, he says right at the end of this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know what he says? If you boil that down, he says if you hear the word receive the word, apply the word. Then he says, your words will be under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'll do for you. You won't be having a loose rein on your tongue. You won't be thinking of yourself, but actually what you do is different to how you think about yourself. Your words will be under the control of the Holy Spirit. He says, not only that, he says, look at this. Your words and your works are going to be in keeping with the heart of the Holy Spirit. God's heart is for orphans and for widows. It says in, there, in, this, in the Word of God, He looks after those that are in the margins of society. And He says, you know what? If you hear and receive and obey, then you're, not only will your words, like Samuel, not fall to the ground, but your works will be in keeping with the heart of the Holy Spirit. And at the end, he says, and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. He said, not only your words and your works, but also your walk with God.
will be driven by the Holy Spirit. You'll be going in this direction in your life to the honor and glory of your Father in heaven. All of that, when we simply allow this book to do its work in us. Isn't that incredible? That's why in Hebrews, the word of God is considered to be sharper than any two-edged sword. That's why in Ephesians 6, the armor of God, he says, and put on the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It is powerful to move you in the direction where blessings will flow. Let's pray. Father, I ask today that you would teach us and show us, reveal to us through your word where we are with you. Reveal the truth. May your word be a mirror to us. A mirror which affirms us and shows us how beautiful and wonderful we are made by you. How much love you have for us. How you hold us in the palm of your hand and the promise never ever to let us go. How special each of us are. Even if we don't feel it, we know it because your word says it. Reveal the mirror of your word into our lives. But I ask also that you would reveal to us the next stage, the next step on our journey towards the Spirit. Spirit of God, reveal to us what the trial that we need to overcome, the stage that we need to cross in our lives, and it will be different for every single one of us. Lord, so that we we can keep on stepping and flowing towards you. That we can keep on going upriver instead of downriver, against the natural tide of ourselves, but knowing that your spirit is working with our spirit so that we may increase in our righteousness, in our walk with you. Spirit of God, fall afresh on us. Melt us and make us, mold us like your son Jesus. And may we put into practice when we understand, when we read your word with our eagerness and our anticipation, when we receive it deep inside of us and allow it to, 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 to transform us and change us, give us the strength to align our lives to your word. For then we will see miracle after miracle, blessing after blessing. We will receive the power of your Holy Spirit. We will know what that feels like flowing through us when we align ourselves to you, to your heart, to your vision, to your way.